From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Silbernagel talks to us about the amount of hard work and detail needed when building a strength and conditioning program from scratch, how to go about negotiating with administration to advance your strength and conditioning program, and how he goes about allowing his assistants to make their own mistakes on their path to becoming a complete coach. All this in another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm co- joined by Coach Michael Silbernagel. He's currently the head strength and conditioning coach at the University of Mary. Prior to that, he was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Colorado State University. And he also had a stop at the University of North Dakota. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role at the University of Mary? Well, I'm a, as you mentioned, currently the head strength and conditioning coach here. Um, Started the program from scratch in 2011, and we've kind of grown that. Uh, when I say we, I mean administration, um, going all all the way up to the president, right? We've, we've had support to make this happen. Sport coaches have helped out uh, with their support as well. But we've grown it now to we have a full-time assistant and two graduate assistants here. And I actually also am an adjunct professor in the exercise science department. That, that's, that's awesome that you have been able to be there that long and start it. Could you tell us a little bit more of the challenges that you saw becoming the the first, you know, strength conditioning coach out of school? Because I know a lot of us are coming from well-established and the, and the profession's been around for a few decades now, but there are still some coaches out there that find themselves as the first. And could you help them out and with any advice for being the first strength conditioning coach? Well, I think the, the biggest advice is find out as much information as you can before you take the job. Right? And, and I say that uh, not in a bad way, but in an honest way. Uh, things that I never thought of to ask, like, is this an athlete only facility? Are we sharing it with the general student population? Do I have a budget or is it assumed that I'm going to have a budget? Can I fundraise or is that not allowed? Right. So if the, the answer is no to a budget and I, I can't fundraise, then, OK, then what? Right. Like, so uh, some of those situations, what teams do you want us to be working with? Right. Um, because that, what if, as the teams grow, like you're trying to build a culture, you want to make sure that you're able to work with everybody. 
right? And does the time frame allow it? Does the room allow it? Uh, things of that nature um, are also big steps. Uh, who do you report to, right? Because at a different university you were at, you may have had a different tree. It might have been your head strength coach, then a, a assistant AD, or it might have been uh, a sport coach, or it might have been actually a sports medicine department or whatever else. So knowing kind of where you're at in that process, I think those are keys when you start. Um, you have to have answers to. And then the other thing is just come into the clean slate yourself. Like know where you're going to go. And that's not just starting your own program. I think everywhere you go is going to have its own unique pluses and minuses to it. And you can't bring the negative things with you from the previous institution you were at and like automatically assume that those negatives are going to be the negatives at your new institution. And at the same time, you can't bring the positive things from the previous institution. I think those are going to be the positive things uh, at your next institution. I think those are things to uh, kind of take a deep breath on and look at and, and evaluate as you get started. No, that's some great advice. And you had mentioned, you know, budget and fundraise and a lot of this and who you report to and a lot of this revolves around your relationship with your administration. And could you talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the challenges with that, you know, being not just the strength coach, but also an administrator, because I know you've had a, you know, you fundraise and then you've also been able to create some positions up there, but it, it, it all came at the cost of you going to talk to your administration and putting in that work. So could you talk a little bit more about that? And, you know, I was, I was raised as a farm kid, right. And, and to my dad, there was no excuses weren't allowed, right. It was, it was find a way, right. He didn't want to hear about how this couldn't be done today or that couldn't be done today. It was okay. What's next on the list, go make it happen. And then we'll reevaluate the next day as to what we have to do from that process. And I think that's the thought process or the mindset I took when it came to creating a budget or fundraising or that relationship with our administration um, and our coaches. So my whole thing was rather than going to them and going, what can I get? It was, what will you allow me to do to get what I want? Right. So I tried to take the onus of it first, right. To where, Hey, if you allow me to fundraise, I can get A, B, C, and D. Right. Rather than going, Hey, I need A, B, C, and D. Will you just give me the money for it? Um, and as that, kind of went right. Like whatever the fundraising Avenue was as money started coming in and the administration seized the buy-in from the student athletes and the buy-in from the coaches, then all of a sudden at the end of the year meetings or your evals or discussions, then it became, well, what can we do for you? Right. And then instead of, well, actually I don't want anything, but I'd really love a graduate assistant because instead of an extra thousand dollars a year, a graduate assistant would allow me to, uh, better serve the student athlete and our department to better stu- serve the student athlete because we could double it up. Right. Cause now we have more bodies and therefore more people can get conditioning done or more people can get a lifting time when they'd like to, or, you know, you just, you spread the love around and that won some people over. Right. And I think those are the things that, that I tried to lay out there uh, in that process. That That's great. And, and, You've been there, what you said, a decade going on starting year 11. And so I want, you know, the listeners to understand it wasn't like you just walked in, made all these things, and then it just happened. It's like a decade's a long, long time to be working to building the program that you're on. So how did you find the motivation to continue? Because I know everything we do is not linear. So it wasn't like you 
walked in, fundraised immediately, and then you got able. It just boom, boom, boom. It, it it has ups and downs, and I I know even for my staff, like you know, I've been working on getting somebody on, and we finally got it. I'm in year eight here, so it's it's not linear. So how did you adjust or evolve your process? Well, I think it was as weird as it sounds, like. I got a bunch of stuff on my whiteboard behind me, but we created like a, a wish list, right? And it was, it wasn't like in an order of like one, two, three, four, five. It was just a list. And it and the top one there was, you know, staff. And then it went down the line of, we'd like to get this equipment or that equipment, whatever else. And it was like a constant motivator every day, right? Of ways to see it. But not only that, every time a coach or administrator, even an athlete walked into my they saw always ask questions about the list right so it was as soon as something got crossed off instead of crossing it off I'd erase it and write something else in so it always looked like the list was full right because you're always chasing more um and as you mentioned it's not a linear process there's steps forwards and steps backwards and and hiccups along the way and um I had a coach come in and observe here uh before everything kind of got crazy right in 2020 but they're like well how long did it take you to get to this point and i said well i've been here you know at that point i was like over nine years i'm like it took over nine years right like when you first get to someplace and they don't even know how to read a sheet and they don't know how to attack the room i'd say it took a solid four years a full cycle right to where the freshmen who learned it when they came in became seniors who truly like embraced what that culture is Right. Cause yeah, the, the, when you first come in, you're the flash in the pan and everyone is excited and they, they can't wait, but that fizzles, that, that dies down and you need to have that consistency to take over. Right. And I think those are the things that you culture is something that it's not static, right. It, it ebbs and flows, right. Kind of like a ripple of a, of a pebble into the water, right. You throw a pebble into water and it bounces out and it'll hit the, the edges of the beach and it'll actually kind of ripple back. And it's being able to understand where that kind of ripples going and can you stay ahead of it, right. To not get tipped. And, and I think that's the, the biggest thought process that I took in this is, all right, if it's going smooth now, uh, I'm going to be looking around left and right for that ripple. Cause it's eventually coming back. And if the, if I'm on the ripple, I know that it's going to go away and I'm going to have some good time coming up uh, once it gets past me. No, that's definitely some real world advice. And, and I like that. And you had mentioned the culture isn't static and it ebbs and flows and whatnot. And can you tell me what your, I guess, the unifying structure of your culture is with your staff? Because now you got to a point where you have an assistant and you said two GAs. Yep. And what is that kind of the unifying the culture that you try to establish with your staff now that you have them now you've been through a couple of graduate assistants and I think even uh, you've had what two different assistants. Yep. Yeah. So yep. you've been able, you've been able to, you know, develop that staff and then see a new staff come in. What's, what's the culture you try to establish with them? Well, I think the first thing is when they come in is they have to know about the university, right? We're a private Catholic Benedictine institution and they have to understand the history of it. Cause I didn't. Right. When I came, I came from a public school. I didn't understand the, the similarities and differences to a private and really the what made the foundation of the university. Right. And how we tie that in. So that's the first thing we do now. Um, we have an athletic strategic plan that we go over 
which, you know, kind of talks about the whole person approach, which then allows me to go into what we are as a department, right? So I, I talk university, I talk athletic department, and then I talk us. And kind of like how it's a cog system, right? Like we all have to be working in unison in order for this big picture to be seen uh, from a culture standpoint. And I'm going to take a line from a former softball coach, Kerry uh, Shaw, when he was here and he made the comment to his team of, Hey, you know what, if I, we were up on a big hill, if I drive down the hill and for some reason I'm not here tomorrow, you marry softball is going to go on. Right. Like hopefully you mourn for 24 hours, you know, he said jokingly, but, but the program's going to be there. And I try to say the same thing to my coaches when they walk in the door, it's about you marry strength or marauder strength as a department. It's not about you as an individual because we're, when we leave here, this is still going to be there. Right. Like there's there's still going to have the big signs in the weight room and on the platforms and and things of that. So what can we do in this time to make it to where the student athlete can connect to us? Right. So then always striving for what's next and and what's better. And we don't do checklists. I'm not a checklist guy Uh, because of that ebb and flow. I got into it probably one time with a GA. He was like, well, you know, it'd be life would be easier with a checklist. And we were talking about cleaning the room and I'm like, okay. So if we only clean the platforms on Tuesdays, but cross country comes in on Tuesday night with mud on their shoes because it rained outside, are we going to leave the weight room dirty for a week? You know, like that was the analogy that I kind of gave is if you see something that needs to be done, do it. Don't wait. Don't wait to be told, take initiative and, and drive in that process. Now, you brought up a point, and I think it's mostly been with what we're going through with COVID and you know, hearing what other programs are going through and, and seeing some coaches, you know, go to new places and stuff. And I think I told that to my staff. I was like, look, MSU Denver strength will keep going no matter who's here. Like, you know, like you said, you hope there might be a day of grieving, but realistically, like it, the show continues. So I think that's an important thing to, to establish. So you have a really solid staff culture and you built that up. Where did that come from? specifically with your two stops at CSU and then also at North Dakota, where did you build that up as an assistant Eric? How did that process come up? Cause I know a lot of coaches want to be the, the head person, but once you get there, it's uh, like a heavy is the head that wears a crown. You realize there's a lot more that goes into being the head strength coach than just lifting and, and like leading a football team. So um, where did that come from? Like, where did you just establish this culture and what you, how you wanted to run your program? Well, well, first I'll say that my mentor at Colorado State, Greg Scanlon actually told me that statement. He's like, you're going to call me in three to six months and you're going to say, I want to be an assistant again. Um, Cause you don't, you think you know what the big chair is like, but until you get in the big chair, you don't realize what you see. Um, so that's a very, very accurate statement. Um, but I think it, it started all the way back into high school and the coaches that affected me. Right. And really even taking a step beyond that, how my parents raised me in terms of the family atmosphere and getting to know people and uh, kind of building, you know, going into college, what was a successful team like, what similarities did they have becoming a GA. And we, I was fortunate, uh, Jared Nesland, um, Nate Bockle was the assistant, Adam Johnson and myself uh, were a staff there and uh, really had that, I had a great staff dynamic to start off my coaching career. Right. Because we were all like brothers and we we had a standard. And at the same time, it was get it done. Like there was trust and, and relationships. 
Um, then Colorado State took it to a different level because you got to see things from a broader view at Division One, and got to work with a lot of different coaches. Right, I worked with great coaches at UND um, and saw how they ran programs from Coach Lennon, who's actually my AD now. He was a head football coach and I was a GA at North Dakota, to uh, Tom Hilbert, uh, the volleyball coach, uh, Brian Bedard, uh, the track and field coach at Colorado State, and the things that successful coaches teach you. Right. And so I, I took kind of that whole smattering and was like, eventually, that's what I want to grow to. Like the first few years, as you mentioned, when you're by yourself, I, I joked that I invented the selfie. Right. Because I was my staff, uh, staff meeting. You know, I could it was like um, Jim Carrey from Liar Liar. Like if you didn't like yourself, you're beating the crap on yourself in the bathroom type deal. But you also pat yourself on the back. So it was how did I want to move the profession forward? Right. Cause you hear it all the time. Like what are we doing to make the profession better? Well, the best way I can make the profession better is to try to put out as good of people from our department as I can. And that's kind of been my driving force since I got that staff put together is I know they're eventually all going to leave. Right. Cause that's, I want them, I want driven people. So if I hire someone that's driven, eventually they should go and move on to bigger, better things. But when they do, I want people to go, wow, you know, you got you came from you, Mary, like a D2 school. Right. So it, it might be a little chip on the shoulder type of a thought process, but that's where it kind of all collaborated. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. ON even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements, and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products, or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at ON underscore athletics underscore West or email rkravitz at glambia.com. No, that's, I think that's great. And I haven't talked to a few coaches. I was talking to a coach yesterday. I said they prefer coaches from D2, D3, or like the smaller school. Cause you know, you have to be resourceful and it's, it's just a different thing when you're not just, the director of strength and conditioning for track and field, like your director of strength and conditioning for track and field plus facilities manager. Plus, you know, you gotta you be a custodian, a janitor, like all of it combined. And um, I think that that's good. And, and you, and I, I think it's a good thing. You want to progress our, you know, profession forward. How do you go about building that? So I, I'm, I know you have to have a lot of trust in the individual when they first come in. So let's say they had, they got the trust, they're on your staff. How do you, how do you, I guess, progress them through a way like you want them to be bigger and better, hopefully go on and be a head strength coach somewhere. Um, How do you, how do you expose them to 
what it's like to sit in your chair without fully letting them take the keys to the car and wrecking the whole thing. I think it's uh it's a fine line, right? So the first thing, loyalty and trust go hand in hand. And I think in our profession, maybe even more so than a lot of other professions, but I really try to get my staff here. So if we start the fall semester in September, my GA is starting in June. And just to get acclimated to how we do things and to what we're trying to do. And at the same time to become part of our family. And I'm not just talking about the staff, like I'm talking barbecuing at my house, right. And getting them around my kids and finding out about their background and, and their siblings and their, how they were brought up because now that transition into the fall becomes easier because there's a, there's a line of communication and trust there. Um, and then you stop them before they make the big mistakes. Like as you create a staff, I can almost tell you on a calendar now COVID's made a little bit different, but I can almost tell you on a calendar when a GA and when my assistants are going to make mistakes because it's human nature right? It's that ripple effect I talked about earlier. I know that we're going to progress and we're going to rise up and then we're going to get a little bit full of ourselves. And the goal is to not just come crashing down to the beginning. The goal is to make that little hiccup, right? And then, okay, we correct it and and let them fail where it's going to sting, but it's not going to detriment the department, right? And sometimes I've even talked to the sport coach prior to a failure where I've been like, hey, I know this isn't going to work. However, let's play with it for 24 hours, right? And then let's talk about the game plan moving forward. Like, so just so the coach doesn't lose their mind, right? So it's, it's more of a uh, progression to the coach. Like, hey, yes, we discussed it. We've got it under control. Don't call my office, right? Fire and brimstone because you, you don't like what was said in a meeting or et cetera. Like, so it's, it's not undercutting my staff. It's showing the coach that's a mentoring piece, Right. And it's, I think we got to remind sport coaches sometimes too, that they were GAs at one point and they were interns at one point. And if you want them to be better, you have to give them, as you said, keys of the car, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's the used car <laughs> to the family. Yeah. It's not the, you, you didn't go lease a brand new one and, and toss them to the 15 year old. Right. Right. No, that, that, that's some great advice. And how is it? And I, I know this is definitely something the GA or younger coach or even a new head coach when you're, I guess, held responsible or have to work hand in hand with that sports coach, how has the, the relationship with the head sports coach, uh, how do you go about navigating that? Cause I know there are, I mean, how many teams do you have? You have 20. Yeah. 17 or 18. 17, yeah, we're, we're up there. Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of teams and you know, I know the, men's tennis team is going to want the same attention and effort as a football team or a basketball team. How do you go about navigating that? And then also, I guess, teaching your GAs and stuff, how to the deal or handle or work with the, the head sport coach? Well, I'm going to kind of answer it in reverse um, and talk about how the, I think, the staff members have to understand that for their sport, they are the biggest thing, right? Like they have to know that, I mean, when I first started North Dakota, cheer and dance was one of my teams. Like that was one of my first teams. You could sit there and complain because who gets into strength conditioning 
right? With that as their goal. I was a former college football player, right? You have all these things of what you're going to do. Like UND's got great hockey and they got great football and they got basketball and their volleyball team's good and track's okay. And then you get told this is what you're doing. And I can tell you right now, one of the coolest things I ever did was work with cheer and dance at North Dakota because of what they taught me as people and as work ethic, et cetera. So uh, getting my staff to, to understand that for them, whatever team they're with, that has to be their premier team, right? Like they, to them, those sports are the thing. And sometimes they should even get into arguments with me about how they feel that their team is probably not getting the best time in the weight room or whatever. Like I want them to have those kind of conversations um, with sport coaches. I think the biggest thing is showing them the reasons why, right? So I just mentioned times in the weight room. Right, the best time. We're at a D2. Your facilities are limited, especially now with COVID and limits on numbers. We have to show them and explain, hey, this is why this is working this way. This is why an in-season team is getting priority right now. And an off-season team is getting priority here. Here's where a whole team could fit versus where a whole team can't fit, right? And, and ebbing and flowing, but then making sure that everyone on your staff is certified helps, because it shows the level of expertise that you're talking about. We actually email our coaches weekly with a standardized template from the strength conditioning department, giving a breakdown of the week. So every coach is getting the same message about their team. It's not a, well, this coach does it this way and this strength coach does it that way. Um, so we try to have that unity to show that it is about everyone and everything. That, that's great stuff. And do you work on that template or is that something that you work on with your staff and then you send it? Now, that's a pretty unique thing like to have a weekly kind of report to the, the head coaches so they know exactly where you guys are at. It's evolved into that weekly report. Um, we, like I said before, we, we grade our athletes every day. Um, so that way at the end of the week, the coach gets the actual grade report for the week the pluses, the minuses in terms of highlights or, or below our standard, kind of some insight from the weight room. Are we hearing kids complain? Are they excited? Are they worn down, you know, with finals week coming up or being this week, right? Like, Hey, we're a little bit more fatigued. The energy level wasn't as high. We still got work done, but just kind of being eyes and ears for the sport coach at the same time, right. And giving them that feedback. And we've kind of tweaked uh, the email as staff members see ways to improve it. Mm. Nice. And then, so do you send it out individually to each one or is it kind of like, here's a, a kind of broad overview for all sports coaches? No, each, each coach uh, gets an overview for nice. their team okay. individually uh, every Friday. Nice. Um, that, that sounds great. And then the fact that I think it all just comes down to communication. Like, Hey, you always let them know exactly where you're coming from. Cause you know, I know what it's like to become a head strength coach and go talk to a head coach. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this right now. You're not going to understand. And then it just causes a problem when you don't like communicate and try to find out where they're coming from and then try to explain where you're coming from. So I think communication uh, is definitely key. So what's some advice you would tell a, a younger strength coach who's just maybe getting off a GA or just getting off their internship and they're in the they're in the, the toil, they're in the, like the grind of like trying to make it as a strength coach. What's some advice that you would tell those, those coaches? I think number one is you're supposed to be there. 
right? That that everyone forgets the grind phase. Like I know that's like I think that's a bad word. We're not supposed to say grind anymore, and we're not supposed to say uh, you're going to work long hours for less pay because we're better than that. And we are, but there's phases in life, and it's not just our profession, but there's going to be times of struggle that you have to get through to get to the better phase. We just have too many people that are willing to give up during that initial pushback, right? And not fight through that barrier. And and so my advice to them is don't stop, fight through that little bit of a barrier that's going to happen, right? There's going to be times where you're trying to keep your head above water and just keep treading, right? You eventually things are going to work out your way. No, that's some, that's some great advice. And, what is, I guess, some advice you would tell your first time assistant or not maybe just yours, but like, let's say they made it out, they found their full time and they're ready to go. What's some advice you tell like that, that assistant coach has got their first full time gig. Number one is kind of a motto we've come up with here for this season, but or your is adapt and overcome. You have to adapt to the new environment that you're in. And then you have to overcome whatever limitations you think are now there, right? Like we mentioned it earlier on in the podcast where there's going to be pluses and minuses everywhere you go. Don't get caught up on something, just overcome it. Uh, number two is you hear coaches talk all the time, like act like you're in your next job. I'm going to actually backtrack that and go be the best that you can at the job you're at, right? Quit focusing on the grass is greener somewhere else for a little bit and put all the time and energy into watering the grass where you are. Right? Make it to where people seek you out and want to talk to you and uh, the career path will take care of itself if you're doing a great job where you're at. So if you're constantly looking for the next thing, you're missing out on what you could be doing where you are. And then never stop growing. Right, like Even on my staff in general, I know you talk, talked about people who are leaving, but what are you doing right now to be better today than you were yesterday? Are you, are you reading a book? Are you listening to a podcast? Are you watching a video? Are you trying exercises? Are you communicating with people every day? Like I try to teach my kids, we go in and I, you guys are going to laugh because we go to a donut shop, right? But my kids have like great friends at the donut shop. And it's not because we love donuts, like they're not bad. Uh, but it's the fact that my kids say, hi, how are you doing today? They get to know their names and they almost turn into like Norm on Cheers, right? Where they walk in now and, and the donut guy is talking my kids' names and vice versa. It's the same thing. Get better at communication. Get better at something outside of strength conditioning to make you a better coach. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, you're a father of two. You're the head strength conditioning coach. And I mean, hell, you're even a, a professor there. What, I mean, and you're also a powerlifting champion. Like, where do you find time for you in, in the big things? I know, I know it seems like, like, man, we're always doing something or always busy, but there's, you have to have something for yourself or else you just going to lose it. So uh, where do you find that time to like either you lift or I mean, you still look as yoked as you probably could, could be. So, I mean, where do you find time to lift? And then, you know, what are you doing to work on yourself personally? Like, do you read books or what kind of books do you read? Uh, what, what, what are you doing for yourself right now? Um, for myself, I think the, the biggest things, there's going to be ebbs and flows in that too, right? Like it's not a, well, every day at this time I'm going to train or every day at this time I'm going to read or, or whatever else. And, and I went through probably a year that, that just wasn't very good. It, it, I just hired three new people. 
right? So it was me and, and the three stooges is what I'll refer to him as. And that was, that was a very challenging time because when you have a standard and you're investing into all that, um, you put yourself in the back burner. Well, I learned a very valuable lesson. I learned I can't do that. So now I go, okay, I want to watch uh, a Netflix series. You know, Breaking Bad was what someone got me on. Well, the only time I'm going to watch Breaking Bad is when I'm doing an air diet and bike workout for 20 minutes. And then I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to hang out with my kids. And then uh, as bad as is kind of COVID's been, right? Like we talked about all the negatives. I actually bought a home gym. I know you started adding some pieces, right? Yeah. Well, now I've got an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old where they train on days that I don't. So I train uh, four days a week. They train three days a week. And I get to get them excited now about training. And no, we're not, you know, they're not doing floor presses and things like that yet. They're right. They're, they're having fun with, with frog jumps and, and different squat variations. But I think those are the things I realized that training for me is my release. I'm the happiest after I train, right? Cause that's just where it's at in terms of reading, in terms of listening to stuff. I read, I don't read fiction. Um, my wife loves that stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm a biography guy. I'm a, I really, people are going to think I'm nuts, but I don't mind reading Zatsiorski and Virgo Hanschke <laughs> because it's like a challenge. Right? It's like deciphering a code. Yeah, right? It's almost like uh, was a book, national treasure where he's going around like searching through the United States for the, yeah. the lost deal. Reading some of that Russian text makes me feel like I'm searching for lost stuff uh, on a treasure hunt. Um, but I also like sports psychology uh, and leadership because all of those things are intertwined with what we do uh, on a daily basis. Yep. We have definitely have some common commonalities there for sure. I, I mean, I try to get into, to fiction, but I don't know. It's, I was like, I, I can't, I, I feel like there's more I can learn from a, a bio, a bio or like a, a leadership book. Cause it's just hard for me to turn that brain off. And sometimes I know, especially before bed, yeah, I've, I've tried to read those thick books and then I just stay, stay up all night thinking about it. So I, it's, it's a, it's a nice little balance of everything, but I think that's great. Um, if you could pick up the phone and call Michael Silbernagel from 10 years ago, what would you tell him? I'd probably hang up. Um, and, and what I mean by that, I don't, I don't mean to sound above myself or, or arrogant, but what I mean is everything that's happened has happened for a reason. And I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at or I wouldn't have the thought process I do right now if I didn't have the successes or struggles along the way, right? It's almost like the, uh, my boys love the Avengers. So I'm, I'm going to use the Avengers line, right? Where they're trying to find all the infinity stones. And she's like, well, if you remove one, it's a ripple effect. It's not like that thing just got taken out. It's going to affect all different phases. And I'm, I guess I'd, I'd be worried about talking to myself and changing what the ripple effect would be, right? Like, I, I think I'm in a pretty good spot in terms of my thought process and what I want to keep doing. Um, I wouldn't want to change all the positives that happened because of one negative thing that I thought I could have done better. Absolutely. And what's next for uh, Coach Silbernagel and, and the Marauder strength? What's, what's coming up? I mean, granted, when we get, all get out of COVID and all the procedures, what's something you're looking forward to that you're building? Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my wife to it. She said I could go visit Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell. Oh man. That, right? that'd be so awesome. when, I, when I got the green light there and I don't know if that was just teasing me because she knew we couldn't <laughs> leave the state, but, um, that's, that's a goal to go talk some shop there. But really, I think the, the big thing 
is to continue to find the positive things to show my athletes, to show my, my kids, right. Of we get caught up in all the negative stuff all the time and to stay focused on the things we do get to do, mm. right. Gratitude versus resentment type of a situation to where, yeah, we were supposed to go to Disney world this year. That didn't happen. Um, but my kids did get the Lego death star. So yeah. right? <laughs> there you go. if we went to Disney world, you weren't getting the Lego death star. Right. So there's, there's things of that nature. Um, that I think I want to keep striving for. Absolutely. And what's a, a good way for our listeners to either see what you got going on in social media or reach out if they have follow-up questions. Uh, social media, uh, the department's Instagram and Twitter is at you, Mary strength. And uh, my personal Twitter is at coach Silby. And uh, they can find the email and phone numbers on our website at uh, goyoumary.com under staff direction. I mean, have my cell phone listed. Absolutely. No, I want to say thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing how you came about your culture and you developed this stuff and, and creating a program from scratch. Cause I know I've known you for a while and, you know, we've, you know, we've seen how things are going and uh, I have a lot of respect for you and your program and, and how you're running it and how you're growing it. And, you know, it, Kind of create, kind of creates something where at least for sure at the D two level I could be like I could go to my admin and be like look like if we try to do it the correct way like this is how what it could look like we could start building something and uh, I appreciate you sharing your insight today. No, appreciate you having me on, Coach, and and thanks for the kind words. We're but we're not done yet. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.